Lesson number 88, Surah Al-A'raf, ayah number 1 to 25. We listen to a little bit of the recitation and then inshallah we'll begin the tafsir. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alif Lam. كتاب أنزل إليك فلا يكن في صدرك حرج منه لتنذر به وذكرى للمؤمنين اتبعوا ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم ولا تتبعوا من دونه أولياء قليلا ما تذكرون وكم من قرية أهلكناها فجاءها بأسنا بياتا أو هم قائلون فما كان دعواهم إذ جاءهم بأسنا إلا أن قالوا إلا أن قالوا إنا كنا ظالمين فلنسألن الذين أرسل إليهم ولنسألن المرسلين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم So by listening to the first few verses of Surah Al-A'raf, what do you think? Is Surah Al-A'raf a Makki Surah or a Madani Surah? It is a Makki. Why do you think it's a Makki Surah? We're not guessing over here by the way. Because when it comes to the Qur'an, we don't guess. Okay? But I'm making you use your mind. I'm making you reflect on just the very words, just the verses. And from that, figure out what kind of a Surah it is. Alright? So, those who said it is a Makki Surah, why do you think it's a Makki Surah? By listening to the verses that you heard right now, you said, this is a Makki Surah. What made you say this is a Makki Surah? Okay, one is that you knew already because you read on the juz. Okay. What's another reason? Yes. Okay. You're telling me the signs of a Makki Surah. I want you to tell me how... And why do you think this is a Makki Surah based on the first few verses that you just heard? Yes. Very good. Because it begins with Huruf Muqatta'at. Huruf Muqatta'at, some Madani Surahs also begin with Huruf Muqatta'at. However, majority of the Surahs that begin with the broken letters, the disjointed letters, Huruf Muqatta'at, they are Makki Surahs. Any other sign? Yes. Yes. The verses are much shorter. We read Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Ali Imran. Some verses were so long, the longest verse which is in Surah Al-Baqarah, how long is it? It covers an entire page. And over here we see right at the beginning, the verses are very, very short. So this is a prominent feature 
of Makki surahs. So Surah Al-A'raf is a Makki surah and it was revealed before Surah Al-An'am. The previous surah, Surah Al-An'am, in the Qur'an it is arranged, Surah Al-An'am comes first and then Surah Al-A'raf comes. However, chronologically, which one was revealed first? Surah Al-A'raf was revealed first. And it was revealed towards the end of the Meccan period as well. Right? But remember that it was revealed before Surah Al-An'am. And Surah Al-A'raf is the longest Makki Surah. It is the longest Makki Surah. It has 206 verses. How many verses? 206. So yes, we have a long way to go. Inshallah. And about 3,325 words. So be happy. Because in every word there are multiple letters. And for every letter that you read, inshallah, you get 10 hasanat. مَنْ جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا As we learned at the end of Surah Al-A'raf. And the word A'raf, A'raf is from Urf. And Urf is every height or everything that is elevated from the surface. So for example, a rooster. Have you ever seen that red crown on a rooster? That is called Urfuddiq. Why? Because it is elevated from the rest of the head. It's like a crown on top of the head of the rooster. And Surah Al-A'raf is called A'raf. Why? Because A'raf refers to the heights, the elevated places, which will be between Jannah and Nar on the Day of Judgment, between paradise and hellfire on the Day of Judgment. And on these heights will be some people for some time because their matter will be deferred. They will not be sent to Jannah immediately. They will not be sent to hellfire immediately. Rather, their decision will be deferred for some time. So because they are mentioned in the surah, this is why the surah is named Al-A'raf. And inshallah, we will learn about that in detail. So let's begin the surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alif, Lam, Mim, Sad. What's the meaning of these huruf, of these letters? Allahu A'lam. Allah most knows about the meaning of these letters. People have tried to figure out what they mean. Alif refers to Allah. Lam refers to Jibreel. Mim refers to Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. However, there's no evidence for that. We don't have any proof for that. People say Yasin is one of the names of the Prophet ﷺ, or Taha is. However, again, there is no evidence for that. Or they say these are the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there is no evidence for that. When the Prophet ﷺ did not inform us, we don't guesstimate. Alright? We don't guess the meaning of the Qur'an. And the scholars, they have said that yes, these letters, they may not have a meaning. However, they do have a purpose. They do have a purpose. Because it's not possible that there is something purposeless in the Qur'an. What is the purpose? To prove to us the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. It's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us that these are the letters that you use in your day-to-day language. Alif, Lam, Mim, Sad. But can you bring something like the Qur'an? Nothing at all. Never at all. So this book that you're about to read, these verses that you're about to read, who are they from? Allah. Allah says, Kitabun, a book, meaning what is in front of you is a book. Unzila, it was sent down, ilayka to you. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is being addressed that, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, this book has been sent down to you. To you. Imagine from all of mankind. 
all of those thousands of people that was present at his time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose who? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To be his messenger. To receive the Qur'an and convey it to mankind. We learned earlier that the people of Mecca, they had an objection. They said, if Allah really wanted to send a messenger, how come he did not choose someone who was more influential, who was more wealthy, who had more children? And they named a few people. This person, that person. How come they're not a prophet? Why? Muhammad wasallam? Because he was an orphan. Right? He was very young when his mother even died. Before his birth also, his father had passed away. So he was an orphan. And he had only one wife at the time. And for Arabs, this was a big deal. The more women someone had, the more children someone had, the more property, the more money someone had, the greater they were in society. So they tried to put him down. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, Kitabun unzila ilayka. This is a book that has been sent to you. Jibreel came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, not to anyone else. And this is a great honor. And this by extension teaches us that anyone to whom Allah gives the book, whether it is that someone has been given the ability to memorize the book of Allah, to contain it in his heart, to keep it in his memory, or in any other way, Allah gives the gift of Qur'an to a person. That is a huge, a huge blessing. So, kitabun unzila ilayka, it has been sent to you. Fala yakun, so there should not be. Fala so not yakun it be. Fi in sadrika, your chest. In your chest, meaning in your heart, there should be no harajun, no constriction. Minhu from it, meaning because of it. This Qur'an is a gift. So because of this Qur'an, there should be no haraj in your heart. When you receive a gift, a blessing, how should you feel? Happy. And you should enjoy. And you should feel good about yourself. Not that you feel uncomfortable. Haraj is from the root letters harajim. And haraj literally means liq, constriction, tightness. We learned this word earlier as well, that whoever Allah intends to send astray, then when he learns about the verses of Allah, what happens? His chest feels tightened. As if he is climbing up. Right? Meaning he does not feel comfortable in his heart at all. He feels constricted and tight. So haraj is constriction, uneasiness, distress. So the Prophet ﷺ is told over here that you should not feel any kind of distress because of this Qur'an. I want you to ask yourself, do you feel stressed out because of Qur'an? Oh, I have to read it. I have to memorize my lesson. And oh no, we have a quiz. And oh no, we have a test. And oh no, I have to open my mouth and recite. It's so hard. It's so difficult. Do you feel stressed out because of the Qur'an? If you ever feel stressed out, tell yourself, I should not stress out over the book of Allah. You know why? Because no matter how much you are struggling, no matter how much you're struggling, no matter how difficult it is, remember that if the glass is half empty, it's also half full. 
So if you are striving and you're struggling by pronouncing ayn and qaf and ha and those big words and long ayat, remember that for every striving there is also ajr. Because inna ma'al usri yusra. With every difficulty there is also ease. So always look at the bright side. That yes, it is difficult. Yes, it is challenging. However, Alhamdulillah, this is a reason for me to accumulate more reward. This is a reason for me to come closer to Allah. So Allah tells His Prophet, فَلَا يَكُنْ فِي صَدْرِكَ حَرَجٌ مِّنْهُ You should not feel any distress because of this Qur'an. Rather, when you read the Qur'an, when you receive the Qur'an, you should only become happy and relaxed. Now you may wonder, that why would the Prophet ﷺ feel stressed out on receiving the Qur'an? You know why? Because when we read the verses of the Qur'an, then we only have to deal with ourselves. Isn't it? We only have to tell ourselves, read, memorize, learn, revise. Alright? And if there is something mentioned in those verses which we find difficult to do, then again, you only have to deal with yourself. But the Prophet ﷺ, when he received the Qur'an, you know what that meant? He had to go and recite it in front of people. He had to go and tell them that what they were doing was wrong. And this was extremely difficult for him. Because when he recited the Qur'an, there were those people who listened and accepted. And at the same time, there were those people who listened and objected. They made fun of him. They mocked him, ridiculed him publicly humiliated him. And this was something very difficult for him to bear. And for any person, it would be difficult to tolerate. So the Prophet ﷺ is comforted over here that you have been chosen for this noble task. There should be no constriction in your heart. You should not feel any doubt about this Qur'an. Rather, you should be confident. You should be happy about this. And yes, it will be difficult, but Allah will send ease. Allah will make things easy for you. لِتُنْذِرَ بِهِ So that you can warn by it. Meaning with this Qur'an. وَذِكْرَ And a reminder. Meaning this Qur'an is a reminder. For who? لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ For those people who believe. For those people who believe. I want you to recall the incident. When the Prophet ﷺ, he was near the Kaaba performing salah. And when he was praying... Abu Jahl and his friends, they were watching him. And they said, look at this show-off. Look at this mura'i. They're talking about the Prophet ﷺ. Look at this show-off. Look at him. He's praying like this, showing off to the whole world that, oh, I'm so different, I'm so pious, and I'm praying to Allah, I'm worshipping Allah in this manner. And they said, who will go and bring the dung and the blood and the inner intestines of the camel that was slaughtered in such and such clan? Bring it and wait until Muhammad goes down into sajda and then place it on his head. So the worst of those people, Uqba bin Abi Mu'ayr, he got up and he went and brought those intestines, you know, covered in blood and slime and dung. He brought it, waited until the Prophet ﷺ went into sajda and he put it on his head. And the Prophet ﷺ was stuck. He couldn't get up. He couldn't get up. So someone went to Fatima radiallahu anha, still a young girl, and told her what had happened. She ran. And she started you know, yelling at those men, that how dare you do this to my father? And she removed it all. And she was crying at the same time. So young she was. 
And she saw this happening to her father. And when the Prophet ﷺ, he finished his prayer, he made dua against those people. That, oh Allah, you deal with them. And every single one of them was finished at the battle of Badr. Imagine if you are publicly insulted somewhere. I'm sure none of us has experienced this kind of humiliation and embarrassment anywhere in our entire lives. We may have heard a comment or two that has hurt our feelings. Somebody may have given us a nasty look. Somebody may have said something hurtful to us. And hey, if they are being like this, what do we tell ourselves? They're being ignorant. The whole world is different. They are being ignorant. You forget what happened, but you move on. But this kind of public humiliation and embarrassment, that someone calls you in public, look at this show off. How he is praying. Look at him showing off. And then, they didn't just leave him there. They brought that heavy, disgusting stuff and put it on his head, almost choking him, suffocating him. And imagine, he was told that go and tell these people that these idols that you worship, you and your idols are hasabu jahannam. Just imagine, it's difficult for us to open our mouth in front of someone who has humiliated us in the past. Isn't it? Someone who has yelled at us in the past, we don't have the guts to open our mouth in front of them. And the Prophet ﷺ had to go and convey the Qur'an to them. Just imagine how difficult it must have been for him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforts him over here, reassures him over here, consoles him over here, that you have been chosen as a messenger. فَلَا يَكُنْ فِي صَدْرِكَ حَرَجٌ There should be no uneasiness in your heart. Rather, you should be confident. You should be confident in your heart. Because who can face fierce winds? Who can keep going despite the fierce winds? Someone who is firm. Someone who's not going to give up. Someone who's made of steel inside, literally. That he will not become weak. He will not give in. He will not surrender. He will keep going. In this world, it happens that some people, when they want to do something, they face a lot of opposition, sometimes racism. And people publicly humiliate them, publicly insult them, oppose them, embarrass them. And yet at the same time, they know that they cannot open their mouth. Because if they open their mouth, the people are going to say, oh look at him, this is what he said. This is what he did. They're not going to look at what others said to him. They're going to say what? Oh look at this person, this is what he said. Just like today. As Muslims, we face a lot of opposition in different ways. People don't care about who did what to us, who said what to us. Most of the time, the focus is on what? How the Muslim reacts. What he or she says or does in public. So the Prophet ﷺ had also been instructed that you cannot retaliate. You cannot fight with these people. You cannot retaliate. You cannot argue with them. Rather, you have to be patient. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him over here, فَلَا يَكُنْ فِي صَدْرِكَ حَرَجٌ There should be no uneasiness in your heart. Rather you should be confident so that you can keep going. Because only then you can warn the people. Only then you can convey the message to the people. And the same lesson is for us. That let's develop some confidence in our hearts so that we can tolerate harsh winds. Let's have determination. Let's, you know, develop this resilience in ourselves so that we do not become weak in the face of opposition. 
that just because someone said a rude remark to us, we start thinking, should I continue wearing my hijab? Should I continue reciting the Qur'an? Should I even bother to get up and pray? No. No matter what the whole world says or does, remember, you should be easy in your heart. You should be comfortable in your heart. This is what I believe, and this is something that I have to do. Ittabi'u. Allah says, all of you follow. He addresses all of mankind. Follow ma that which unzila ilaykum, which has been sent to you, mirabbikum from your Lord. Follow that which has been revealed to you from your Lord. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا And do not follow مِن دُونِهِ Besides Him أَوْلِيَاء Allies Meaning, O mankind, you should be following what Allah has revealed. And what is it that Allah has revealed? The Qur'an. That is what you should be following. You shouldn't be following others whom you have made أَوْلِيَاء أَوْلِيَاء Plural of wali, Close friends, allies, supporters, protectors. Meaning, all these false gods that you've made up, that you've invented, you should not be following them. Why? Because if you follow them, you will only go astray. Qalilan, little. Ma is that which. And ma, when it is followed by qalilan, what does it mean? Very, very little. It is that tadakkarun, you all remember. Tadakkarun from dhal kafra. Tadakkarun from tadakkur. Tadakkur is to remember, to take heed. So very little it is that you take a lesson. Meaning, you don't take much of a lesson. Or you only remember for some time, and then you forget afterwards. Or very few of you take a lesson, and then what happens? Majority of the people, they don't take a lesson. And is this true? Think about yourself. How many verses have we learned until today? About how much is it that we remember? How much is it that we really apply? We forget. So what's the solution then? Keep reading, keep revising, keep reminding yourself. Allah warns the people, وَكَمْ And how many? مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ From cities. Qarya, city, town. Meaning, how many cities, how many populations, أَهْلَكْنَاهَا We have destroyed it. Why? Because of their disobedience, because of their holding on to other awliya, because of their not following what Allah revealed. Rather, they clung to their old ways. They clung to the false ways. So what happened then? وَكَمْ مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ أَهْلَكْنَاهَا How many a nation we destroyed. فَجَاءَهَا So it came to it. فَسُو جَاءَ It came ha to it. What came to it? بَأْسُنَا Our might, meaning our punishment. When did the punishment come to them? بَيَاتًا By night. أَوْ or هُمْ دَيْ قَائِلُونَ Once sleeping at noon. Meaning while they were sleeping at night or they were resting at noon. That is when the punishment came upon them. Bayatan is from the root letters Bayata. And what does Bayat mean? In the night. Okay? It's from Bayt. Bayt is house. And Bayt is where a person spends the night. So from this the word Bayat is while sleeping at night. Meaning the punishment came upon them while they were sleeping at night. Sleeping at night. أَوْهُمْ قَائِلُونَ قَائِلُونَ plural of قَائِل قَائِل is one who is doing قَيْلُولَة From the root letters قَاف يَا لَام What is قَيْلُولَة? Midday nap. Right? When you take a nap during the day, when the sun is at its peak, 
So because it's really hot, you're tired because you've been up since morning. So qaylulah is the midday nap. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say over here? This is basically a warning. A warning is being issued. That it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how prosperous you are, how successful you are in your life, in your world. If you choose to follow something other than the Qur'an, something other than what Allah has sent to you, then what will happen? Consequences will not be good. Because look at history, look at what happened to the people of the past. They also chose to follow that which differed, which contradicted what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed. And what happened? The punishment came to them when they were not expecting it at all. The punishment came to them when they were sleeping at night, when they were least prepared for it. When you're sleeping at night, are you ready to go out of the house? Not at all. When you're sleeping at night, are you ready to go for groceries? Not at all. When you're sleeping at night, are you ready to take a phone call? No. Something could be extremely important, extremely urgent, extremely serious, and you won't be ready for it. Why? Because you're sleeping in the night. And when you go to sleep at night, you generally leave everything. You generally forget about everything. Only then you can sleep in the night. So why does Allah say bayatan over here? Because they were least expecting it. Awhum qailun. They were taking a nap in the afternoon. And again, they were not expecting any kind of punishment whatsoever. But what happened? The punishment came upon them. And they were helpless. They couldn't do anything to defend themselves. Fama so not kana it was da'wahum their declaration, their claim, their call, their announcement. Meaning all that they said at that time was what? Idja'ahum ba'suna when our punishment came to them. What is it that they said? Illa except on that qalu they said, Inna indeed we kunna we are zalimin wrongdoers. When the punishment came, the only thing they said was, We are wrong, it's our fault. Meaning they confessed their sins. They admitted at that time. Whereas before they were not ready to accept their faults at all. Before, they were not ready to leave their sins and do what Allah wanted them to do. And yes, this happened in the past. Many evil nations did this. But it happens to many individuals today as well. That throughout their lives, they're very firm about the wrong that they're doing. They don't want to leave it. They don't want to give it up at all, at any cost. No matter how they're reminded, no matter what warning is given, but still... They're enjoying their lives, they don't want to leave it. And then what happens? As soon as they are in some difficulty, in the middle of some distress, what happens? They start saying, Oh Allah, I repent to you. Oh Allah, you forgive me. Oh Allah, if you fix my problem for me, I will be very, very good. I will leave this, I will leave that. Has it ever happened to you? That you're in some trouble? in some kind of distress, and then you make promises with Allah, that, oh Allah, I will leave this bad action that I used to do before. I'm going to start doing this good deed now. I promise I will pray five prayers every day. I promise I will not disrespect my parents, but please, please take me out of this distress. Many people do that. When we have our exams, right, and we're in difficulty, we're going to fail for sure. So then we start making dua to Allah like anything. Many people do this. They don't change their ways until they reach a point where they know there is no turning back, 
or they know that now they cannot help themselves. The only way is to ask Allah for help. So at that time they confessed, إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا إِنَّا كُنَّا ظَالِمِينَ We are wrongdoers. But did it help them? Confessing at that time, did it help them? No, it didn't help them. Fir'aun, when he was drowning, he said, I believe. But did that save him? No, it didn't save him. Because it was too late. We learned earlier in Surah Al-An'am that يَوْمَ يَأْتِي بَعْضُ آيَاتِ رَبِّكْ لَا يَنْفَعُ نَفْسًا إِيمَانُهَا لَمْ تَكُنْ آمَنَتْ مِنْ قَبْلُ If a person did not believe before, if he believes at the time of death, if he believes in the face of death, then it's not going to benefit him. Allah says, فَلَنَسْأَلَنَّ Then surely we will definitely question. فَلَنَسْأَلَنَّ From سُؤَال سِينَ هَمْزَ لَام What does that mean? To question. And notice the emphasis over here. Lam. Lam first of all means surely. And before this lam of tawkid, remember that there is an implied qasm. Qasm meaning an oath. So basically what this means is, that by Allah, surely, definitely, we will question. Look at the emphasis. When do you talk in this manner? When you really mean what you're saying. Isn't that so? When you swear and you say surely and definitely and all these words of emphasis, why are you talking like that? To show that you mean what you say. Right? That it's a promise. It will definitely happen. It is 100% true. There's no doubt about this. So Allah says, فَلَنَسْأَلَنَّ Surely we will definitely question who? الَّذِينَ Those people. أُرْسِلَ It was sent إِلَيْهِمْ to them. Who was sent to them? Messengers were sent to them. Meaning Allah will definitely question the people to whom messengers were sent. And surely we will definitely question المرسلين, those who were sent. Notice the two over here. First of all, الَّذِينَ أُرْسِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ Those people to whom someone was sent. Who was sent? Messengers. المرسلين, who are they? Those who were sent, meaning the messengers. So which two groups are being mentioned in this ayah? Which two groups? Who will be questioned on the Day of Judgment? First of all, the nations, the people to whom Allah sent messengers. And secondly, who is being mentioned? Who? The messengers themselves. So what does Allah say over here? That He will question both the people and the prophets. The prophets and their nations, both will be questioned. Asked about what? Questioned about what? The people, the nations, what will they be asked about? That first of all, if any messenger even came to them. If any messenger even came to them. Like for example, in Surah Al-Mulk, we learn that when the people will be punished in the hellfire, or they'll be entered into the hellfire, سَأَلَهُمْ خَزَنَتُهَا The angels that are appointed as the guards of hellfire, they will ask, أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ نَذِيرٌ Did a warner not come to you? Did nobody ever tell you? Did nobody ever warn you? How come you're here? Didn't anyone tell you that there's hellfire? أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ نَذِيرٌ So, what does that mean? That the people are being questioned, did a messenger even come to you? Earlier in Surah Al-An'am, we also learned, about the ma'ashar al-jinni wal-ints. Hmm? That Allah will ask them, أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْكُمْ Did messengers not come to you? And what will they say? 
But yes, the messengers did come to us. But today, what is the state of people? That the people know about the messengers, but they refuse to believe in them. They refuse to follow them. They refuse to follow them. They pretend as if Allah sent no messengers. I'm not talking about non-Muslims. I'm also talking about Muslims. That many Muslims, they're living their lives as if they don't know a Prophet Muhammad wasallam. He has no relevance to their lives. Nothing at all. Why? Because they have not learned about him. They have not truly believed in him. They have not loved him. They have not followed him. They have not supported him. They have not defended him. So they're living their lives as if Allah did not even send Muhammad ﷺ. So on the day of judgment, Allah will ask the people, did a messenger come to you? Secondly, Allah will also ask the people about whether or not they believed in the messengers. Whether or not they believed in the messengers. So for example, in Surah Al-Qasas, Ayah 65, we learn, وَيَوْمَ يُنَادِيهِمْ فَيَقُولُ مَاذَا أَجَبْتُمُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Allah will ask, what response did you give to the prophets? How did you respond to them? Did you believe in them? Did you support them? Did you follow them? Or did you turn away from them? So each person is going to be asked. And secondly, the messengers are going to be questioned. What are the messengers going to be asked about? Did you convey the message? Did you convey the message? What response did you receive from your people? Why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask, does He not already know? Does He not already know if a messenger was sent or not? And if the people believed or not? And the messengers, what kind of response did they receive? Does Allah already not know about everything? Yes, He does. So why will he ask on the day of judgment? Why? It's like a person who is proven guilty of a crime. Hmm? And then he is made to say everything, right? Or he is made to give in writing, confess basically what he has done. Why? So that this is an evidence against him. If he is punished, if he is held responsible... For that crime, if he is penalized for it, there is an evidence that proves that yes, he deserves it. So just like that, on the day of judgment, people will make many excuses. That, oh, we didn't know, oh Allah, we were supposed to believe in you. We didn't know there was a day of judgment coming. Like people make the most ridiculous excuses today. Imagine what kind of excuses they will make in the hereafter. It's like a teacher gives a homework, and the student says the next day, oh, I didn't know. Really, you didn't know? You were sitting in class and you didn't know. And there's an assignment due and they say, Oh, I had no idea today was the 25th and I was supposed to do submit it today. Okay, what world do you live in? You really didn't know? But people make excuses, right? They make excuses of all sorts to get out of trouble. So imagine what great trouble they will be in on the Day of Judgment and the amount of lies they will present. So Allah will ask everybody, Okay, did you... Convey the message. Okay. Did a messenger come to you? Okay. What response did you receive? So that nobody can lie on that day. Nobody can say, Oh Allah, I didn't know. Nobody can make false excuses that day. Allah says, فَلَنَسْأَلَنَّ الَّذِينَ أُرْسِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَنَسْأَلَنَّ الْمُرْسَلِينَ We will ask the prophets as well. فَلَنَقُصَنَّ Then surely we will definitely relate. نَقُصَنَّ From قَافْ صَادْ صَادْ قَصَّ يَقُصُّ is to narrate. 
So we will definitely relate alayhim upon them. Who? The people. Meaning we will tell them, we will inform them, bi'ilmin, with knowledge. What? We will relate to them their life story. We will relate to them their deeds. On the basis of what? Our complete knowledge. وَمَا كُنَّا And we were not. غَائِبِينَ Ones who are absent. غَائِبِينَ Plural of غَائِب From غَيْن يَبَ غَيْب What does غَيْب mean? Unseen. That which is hidden. So we were not hidden. In other words, we were not absent. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not unaware of what people were doing, of what they were saying. So Allah will question the people, Allah will question the prophets, and then Allah will tell the people Himself about what the people did. Just imagine you're meeting with Allah. And Allah will ask you about what you did. And it's possible that we lie about it, or that we hide certain things, we don't mention certain things simply because we have forgotten about it or whatever. And imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us, فَلَنَقُصَّنَّ عَلَيْهِمْ بِعِلْمٍ Allah reminding us about what we did, what we left, what we accomplished, what we failed at, what we completed, what we left incomplete. فَلَنَقُصَّنَّ عَلَيْهِمْ بِعِلْمٍ We will relate to them their life story, their deeds, their accomplishments, their failures. We will tell them about what they did. And all of this is based on what? Allah's complete knowledge. وَمَا كُنَّا غَائِبِينَ Allah was not ever absent. Meaning Allah knows fully about what we ever did. So much so that even the sins of our eyes, we learned earlier, يَعْلَمُ خَائِنَةَ الْأَعْيُنِ He knows the treachery of the eyes. The deception of the eyes. That no person finds out. A person may be sitting next to you and they have no idea you read what was on their cell phone. But Allah knows. So Allah knows about every detail of ours. فَلَنَقُصَّنَّ عَلَيْهِمْ بِعِلْمٍ وَمَا كُنَّا غَائِبِينَ Allah was not ever absent. He knows about what we did. So how can we ever hide? Recitation. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام صاد كتاب أنزل إليك فلا يكن في صدرك حرج وَكَمْ مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ أَهْلَكْنَاهَا فَجَاءَهَا بَأْسُنَا بَيَاتًا أَوْ هُمْ قَائِلُونَ فَمَا كَانَ دَعْوَاهُمْ إِذْ جَاءَهُمْ بَأْسُنَا إِلَّا 
So what do we learn in these verses? That Allah has sent the message, made it very clear. He's told us what is right, what is wrong. He's told us what we should follow and what we should leave. And at the end, Allah leaves it to the person to do what he chooses. And in the hereafter, Allah will question him. What did you do? What did you bring? What did you accomplish? Allah will ask him and Allah will ask others about him too. Allah will ask him, Allah will ask others about him, and Allah will tell himself about what a person has done. In the hadith, what do we learn? كُلُّكُمْ رَاعٍ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٍ Every person is a shepherd and every person is going to be questioned. He is going to be asked. You're going to be held accountable for yourself first. And those who are under you as well. In the Qur'an we learn in Surah Al-Hijr, Ayah 92, فَوَرَبِّكَ لَنَسْأَلَنَّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ عَمَّا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ By your Lord, we will surely question them all about what they used to do. And what's the point of this questioning? Because based on this questioning is going to be the final abode of a person. Either he's going to Jannah or he's going to hellfire. So on the day of judgment, questioning will take place. And Along with that, Allah will also take into account the deeds of a person. What actions he has brought on that day. And those actions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will appoint to them reward or punishment depending on their weight, depending on their value, depending on their worth. 